Hey, welcome to another episode of Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and Don't Steal Anything. I appreciate you listening. I've got new podcasting equipment, and I'm, I'm recording in a different spot, and you'll see why here in a minute. So if it sounds a little bit different, uh, remember it's a work in progress, and we're still trying to adjust things. Um, before we get started with the podcast, I'm going to give you one that's appropriate for this week, and it's from the book. I forget what chapter it is, but it is Shovel an Old Person's Driveway, because... It's Sunday afternoon right now. We're supposed to get like eight inches of snow sometime in the next 24 hours or so. So when you see Gladys or Fred out on their sidewalk or out shoveling their driveway, don't just stand there with your hot cup of war, hot, hot cup of hot chocolate and just watch them and go, <laughs> look at Ethel. She's really struggling. Put on your boots, put on your gloves and go out and shovel their driveway because guess what? They really need the help. It's not easy. That shit is heavy. Let's get started with the podcast, and here we go. And I'm excited to have a special guest today, a couple of millennials, a couple of damn millennials here in the uh, in the studio. Um, uh, it is my friend Nate. Hey, how's it going? And his wife, Alyssa. And uh, there's not really a microphone for her yet. Just yell across the room, say hi, Alyssa. Okay. Um, so we started talking about this, uh, the whole millennial thing, because as you know, millennials get a lot of crap, and you guys are right in the millennial kind of a time frame. Yeah. Really right up close there. There you go. I was born uh, in 87, and so was Alyssa, so like right in the thick of it. Um, so you're 31, 32-ish. Yep, exactly. Okay. Um, and I've always said that millennials, they're fun to make fun of, but... I have a lot of respect for millennials because I've got two or three kids that are millennials and they do great. They work hard. They get up on time. Allison is like right in the thick of the millennials. She just turned 27 yep. and she's super ambitious. She's very conscientious. She's kind. Uh, Weather girl Jenny is 28 years old right. and she is, uh, you know, one of the kindest, most down to earth people of all time. So I always say millennials, they get a lot of crap that they probably don't deserve. And I also say that a lot of, uh, you know, baby boomers, are not always the hardest working people. So we're here to a little bit talk about millennials um, and talk about some of the misconceptions and things like that without getting too serious and have right. some fun. As a millennial, Nate, mm -hmm. what are you tired of hearing that millennials have screwed up, ruined for the world, and have just done a terrible job with? So I'd say probably for me, um, just because you know I, I work part-time at Apple, I'm a full-time teacher, I hate, seeing, I hate seeing people say that you know millennials are lazy. I work a job and a half. I have a seven week old at home. I go home. I help feed with feedings. I, I'm a part of her life. I like to clean my house. I like to maintain it. I'm doing a lot of stuff. And so I kind of resent the fact when people say, oh, millennials don't work at all. They're, they're just sitting in there coasting it on daddy's dollars. And I'm like, no, I'm out there making it. You know, I'm, I'm having to make my own money to support my family, to have a nice house, to have a car, to, you know, enjoy those things in life that uh, a lot of times people take for granted. Where does that come from? Where does the millennials are lazy idea come from anyway? Honestly, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's, you know, stereotypes and behind every stereotype, there is some truth. I mean, I have some friends that aren't super ambitious. And so I'm guessing they just latch onto it. Um, and, and the other thing too, is, you know, that, that technology is ruining us. I I think that's so funny to say that, you know, because your damn kids always have your yeah, face buried in your phone. It's on like your you don't phone. pay any attention. You're to never talking to anyone face to face. And it's like, well, I mean, definitely there are times where, yeah, I, I work in high school. I see kids buried in their phones and it's a little frustrating, but 
you have to understand that that's how they communicate. I mean, if you would have told the people, uh, you know, two generations ago, well, you're just talking on the phone. That's ruining, that's ruining your face-to-face conversation. No, it's, it's allowing you to talk to someone that you couldn't before. Same thing with their phones now. They're, they're making connections. They're talking with people. They're learning about things that they could never have learned about before. It's kind of like saying, well, you know, those kids in their damn cars, they're killing the horse carriage industry. It's like, <laughs> no one would say that now. That's absurd. Did. Yeah, it's terrible. And they did. And it's terrible. And same thing with cell phones ca- killing the camera industry. I mean, you don't see any portable cameras anymore. You see DSLRs, right? No, it's true. But and we have this high quality camera with us all the time. And so you could argue that they made cameras better. They didn't kill them. They just, they found a way to make it better. Right? Fabric softener though. You millennials have killed fabric softener. <laughs> I love fabric softener. And, and I didn't even know this, but I'm looking on Facebook because I asked people on Facebook an hour or so ago. Right. I said, what are you accused of killing? And one of them is fabric softeners. And I can't, oh, restaurants, anything oh. where you microwave the food. Yeah. I'm looking at you, Applebee's. I'm looking at you, Perkins. <laughs> Millennials don't want to go to a restaurant where they microwave the food. Yeah. True or false? <laughs> oh, Alyssa has something to say here. She, this is really difficult killing. because Alyssa's a talker. And she's had to sit in the background here and listen to Nate talk. Is, now, first of all, did Nate miss anything? Did you want to add anything? And these microphones are new and I'm still experimenting. So get really right up close, I think is the best way. Well, I would say the one thing that is is kind of interesting about, you know, people thinking that our generation is lazy is that I think a lot of jobs have changed. Um, and the baby boomer generation, a lot of people were going to work in, you know, factories and things like that. And those are, that's hard labor. And now we have a lot more creative jobs, more digital jobs, which maybe older generations don't understand as much. And because you can work from home a lot easier there's misconceptions about that. But I do agree with what Nate was saying. You know, there are going to be people from all generations that are going to be more lazy. But back to the restaurant Yes, thing. because um, the, an Applebee's closed down just a couple of miles from here. And Applebee's is kind of like a staple of like right. moderately that priced I, that dining. That was my high school experience. That was yeah. our hangout was the Applebee's. Um, I would say I agree with that for the most part. Um, we definitely are of a generation that we like to go to the restaurants that are, I wouldn't say necessarily farm to table, but more of the fresh ingredients, things like that. However, it made me chuckle because um, Nate, one of his favorite foods is boneless wings from Applebee's. <laughs> My man. Guilty pleasure. Their ranch is delicious. You know what? I don't think the mic works when you talk in that side. For some reason, there you go. Try that. Yeah. So there yeah, we go. It's it's one of those things. It's a guilty pleasure. It's just like someone who you know uh, stops on the way home and gets some scratchers. Like it's just it's a guilty pleasure <laughs> on Friday night when I've had a long day. I just want some honey barbecue boneless wings from Applebee's with their ranch. So sue me. But yeah, I would say I would echo that sentiment. We we really value uh, quality food. And I think part of it's just because we were we grew up on that. Like Alyssa said, I mean, that was our high school hangout spot. Go to Applebee's on Friday night after the football game. And so we're, we've kind of done it. I don't know. Like we, we've, we're kind of bored with it. And we'll, we'll probably pay a little bit more if something is a little bit higher quality, a little bit more fresh. So, Okay, we're talking about millennials also ruining the napkin industry. And, and uh, Katie, uh, Katie Gulickson on Facebook says that you've ruined the napkin industry. Do you have any idea what she means? I mean, do you not use napkins or are you using like your sleeve or does that even make any sense to you guys? I think we're a paper towel family. Yeah, I mean, I guess a paper towel would do just as good a job as any. I don't know. I, I We have napkins and we offer napkins to our guests when we give them something that requires it. Um, I, I think more to the point, the napkin industry is probably we use cloth napkins maybe and in you know they're reusable. We can, you know, clean them. But I don't know. I 
I buy napkins still. <laughs> maybe I'm maybe I'm not a typical millennial in that sense, but I, I never heard that criticism before. That's a new one. I never heard the napkin one either. Uh, the participation ribbon criticism is. You know, I noticed this myself. This was probably 25 years ago. My daughter Beth was a kid then, and she went to a gymnastics meet, and I watched all these kids get beautiful participation ribbons. And uh, so there's that, but I'm reading on Facebook. It's like, well, wait, the kids didn't come up with that idea. The moms and dads of the baby boomer generation came up with the idea of, oh, I don't want little Sally to go home without a ribbon. So anything about the participation ribbon millennial thing, Alyssa? Oh, for sure. I remember being a sixth grader and my twin sister, she wanted to quit dance. But the only reason I wanted to stay in it because the trophy got taller every year you were in it. (laughs) Really? And so I stayed in dance and I am not a good dancer, but I stayed in it. Um, I don't know. I don't know why parents did that, but I have to say that it is still in me. Um, I am a runner, not a fast one, but I will choose races where I get a medal at the end and I don't win. I get it for participating. And it makes me feel good. Oh, so you whether bet. Or not, yeah. Whether or not it's a good thing, it definitely is ingrained in me, though, that I should get a prize. Well, you know what's funny is that um, I've run a couple of marathons and half marathons, and you love that medal at the end. And it's not because, listen, I ran a marathon in a ridiculously slow pace. I mean, I think I finished one of my marathons in like five hours and 30 minutes, which by comparison, the winners will go like 2.15. My best time was a 4.52. I don't deserve a medal. It's for a souvenir. It's so you can like wear it the rest of the day and then, you know, show people, oh, I ran a marathon. And then you go home and you put it in a drawer or whatever. But it's a cool souvenir. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, for me, being a teacher, they're hanging in my classroom. I like the thing that gives me street cred. I don't know if my students care. Probably not. But... You seem like a cool teacher because you know what, mo- yeah. you know, uh, the, by the way, Nate and Alyssa are both teachers and yes. um, they're both young and pretty cool. Um, oh, thank uh, you. And, and, and we're the, biased. And, well, we're totally biased, but, um, you know, kind of go against the grain, the, 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 um, the stereotype of like, you know, the, well, you know, your blue haired mean old teacher, which I had a few of mm-hmm. back we in all. the day. Um, so Nate found an article about millennials and I think if I remember right, I read through, um, some of the things that millennials want. Is that what it was about? Is like things that millennials want you to know or things that millennials expect from work, that type of thing. So it was titled enough with the millennial bashing. Um, it's on Forbes website. Uh, we can post it, you know, to the, to the Facebook group if you want. But basically it's just saying that, um, this guy did, uh, basically a survey with his company and his company found some interesting things things um that you know millennials are different than previous generations um but for reasons that may not be so evident so one of them is um you know uh, having fun isn't a career goal right fun offices are you know they we think that they're the best right you get to go in and kind of slack off no millennials want to actually have uh, an attainable goal and they want to work towards it and they want to be you know like you said they want to get the 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 prize, prize ribbon at the end of the uh day but they also don't just want to have fluff you know Millennials don't like meetings because a lot of times meetings are full of fluff. People like to hear themselves talk. Mm-hmm. And we're like, why the hell didn't we get this in an email? Because yep. I, I don't need to hear you drone on about this same thing for 10 minutes when you could have summarized it in a paragraph. Uh, and then if I have questions, sure, then we can have a face-to-face meeting. But that was the other part of the survey is he basically said that um, you know millennials are much more willing to commit to a place that 
develops them as people. So in previous jobs, you know, you kind of go in, you go nine to five, you get your paycheck, you you move on. Whereas millennials are looking for something that you know impacts their life. They want to make a change and they want to make a difference uh, with their work. Um, so basically, you know, the whole perception that millennials don't want to work. Well, no, they want to work differently. They want to work more efficiently. They don't want to do the same thing over and over again just because that's the same way it's always been done. They want to work smarter, not harder. But I think that's where the conflict comes in because you got the baby boomers who have yep. been raised to work this way. Yep. You get there early, you stay yep. late, and that makes you an old. You know that now right. you're, you know, you're right. a performer. You're, that, you're, you know, a blue ribbon, right. uh, whatever worker. But then you get somebody who's like. I'm leaving early because mm-hmm. I've got kickball. Right. And you're like, well, no, you... You, you didn't but, put in your time. You didn't put in your time. Yeah. And like, so, well, I did all my work. You know, like, I think that's the thing, tough tough thing to uh, convey is that, you know, we'd rather have a good work-life balance. We value that a lot more and not to be so overworked and not have any, you know, anything to, to show for it outside of work um, and just to enjoy our life. And I think that's true too. I think they said that we value experiences more than stuff. It's kind of the same thing. I, I could work the extra four hours and get paid, you know, a couple extra hundred dollars and buy something, or I could go and I could enjoy my day and I could sit in a coffee shop and just relax. But but let me ask you this one. What, and and I'll put you on the spot here a little bit. Why should you get that? We didn't get that. So in other words, baby boomers didn't get to work four hours a day and then work the rest of their their day at the caribou. Mm -hmm. We had to stay there. So why is it that, you know, people could argue, why does this generation get a choice? Why is it because you demand it or why does this generation even get the ask for it? Yeah, well, I think it's a couple of things. Um, I mean, like you said, we're both teachers and the education system has changed dramatically and, you know, just in the last 10 years even. Um, And it's less about, uh, you know, learning content versus learning concepts, right? And so you you don't just learn facts because you can look up facts anytime, okay. anywhere. Okay, interesting. But instead, you're, you're taught how to problem solve and you're taught how to apply those um, concepts across curriculum. So you're not just learning facts about uh, the, the Civil War. You're learning about why did the Civil War happen? You know, what, what caused that conflict? And so then you can take those concepts and you move. And so I think that, you know, we kind of look at problems a little bit differently and we say, well, I may not need to sit there for eight hours thinking about the same problem. I may need time to think about it and I may need to, to look at it a little bit differently instead of banging my head against the wall and trying the same thing over and over again for eight hours. Maybe I can do it more efficiently in four hours and get the same result but also take that time and help myself re, you know, recharge and reboost. So that way, tomorrow when I come in, I'm not dog tired and I can be a better employee and I okay. can be more productive. I don't, I don't know. Do you Alyssa, have... is there anything you want to add to that? Swing the microphone back over here. Um, I think the main thing is just because we grew up in a generation where you know, we were in so many different activities and always kind of constantly shifting, I don't know if we ex- demand it, but it's kind of more an expectation than it was back in the day. I mean, I think about, you know, being a female, you know, we had Title IX. You know, I grew up in a Title IX era. So, like, I always had the ability to do different sports and activities. Which Title IX, just in case, because I only found out what Title IX was not too long ago. That's basically if there's seven sports at a school for men, there needs to be seven sports at a school for women. Is that kind of a nutshell? Yes, exactly. So the idea that men and women in schools have the same opportunities to activities. And so, for me, we've been juggling activities and work, you know, even when you're young, school is your job. And so when you get to be an adult, you anticipate that same idea. Now, granted, you have different responsibilities and things like that. But I think that's where some of that, like, 
expectation of being able to do more and not just go to work and do the same thing every day. But, um, but for me being a teacher, no day is ever the same. So, okay. (laughs) You know, is there anything that is leveled at millennials that is fair? Is there anything that it's like, okay, well you're more promiscuous, which I've heard millennials are having less sex than the baby. I heard that too. I don't know why that is. I I mean, mean, some people say it's because, you know, with student loans and things like that, that we're having to work more. I don't know if I, know if that's the reason that was what they said in the news this I'm week I'm tired from working I'm I don't tired have the from energy. work I can't do anything else um but I don't know if you have anything else so yeah so the question was is there anything that's leveled against again we're we're not here to pick on millennials we're here to like find out what millennials are tired of being picked on about but is there anything that is a fair uh well I was just charge? gonna go back to the you know uh, having less sex well for us, it was more like we are going to wait to have kids. You know, it wasn't a priority to have a child at 20 because we, A, weren't married yet. B, we waited until we were 22, 23 to get married. And C, I wanted to make sure that I was at the top of our pay scale so that way we could afford to not only have a child, but then still enjoy our lives and still go to Twins games yeah. and be able to take in, you know, uh, bar trivia, you know, be able to enjoy the things that we were doing before we had kids and not have to worry about, oh, shoot, you know, we can't really do much with our friends. Okay. No, you know, I think that's true. That's one of the things that I've always said about people having kids at a really young age. I think it's unfair. You know, if you're young and you can afford it, have them when you're 18 or 19. I don't care. But I think that every kid should have the opportunity to be on the hockey team and to be on the baseball team and maybe go to Wisconsin Dells once in a while and you know have a clarinet. And if you're broke AF and you can't give those to your kids, that's not really fair. And listen, I know that sometimes things happen and you have a kid when you're not prepared to. Uh, but I think that somebody who has a lot of kids or has kids, I mean, I got people in my family that, that have had kids at a very young age and then another one and another one and another one and they don't work and their kids really don't get a lot of experiences and they don't get to take flute lessons. They don't get to be on the hockey team or the, the whatever because mom and dad can't afford to do it. So I think that's one thing well, that, yeah. that I always... And for us too, we valued our time, just the two of us, you know, we wanted to make sure that, all right, if we're going to have kids, you guys still get along. Okay. You've been married for a couple of three. How many, how many years you've been married? Got seven, seven years. You're still still doing okay. Then Uh, we have a, we have a really good time. Okay. good. (laughs) I mean, people always say relationships are work and you've said yourself like, well, yeah, but they shouldn't be that much work. That much work. It's not worth it. I've always thought that too. It's like, we have friends and we have people in our lives that they have a really tough time enjoying their relationship. And I always like, doesn't that suck? Like, I mean, we took those seven years to really make sure that we enjoyed each other and that we were compatible and that we would be able to bring a child into this world and really love it, but not lose what we already had. Um, and I think that's that's a kind of a shift because, A, you know, before it, you basically had to have a kid before you were 20 um, because you might not live until you were 80. You know, right, I mean, right. that was a consideration or you didn't know how long you'd be able to have kids. And I think for us, we just we valued that time together um, and we made wanted to make sure that we were comfortable um, in our situation before we brought someone else into that. And, and we would have been fine. We would have been OK. We would have made it if yeah. we had a kid we always said that you know if it happens we'll absolutely love the you know love a child but well we were very happy when we had it when we were hoping to so well you guys are kind of planners and you're probably i mean you're teachers and you're smart and you're educated and that type of thing um is there anything else that you saw in that article that millennials are asking for and we will we'll post this on the facebook page take a shower show up on time and don't steal anything 
Um, and while you're looking those up, I'm going to just kind of do a side conversation with Alyssa because we were having this really interesting discussion a little while ago. We're at my house right now. We're in the basement. We were upstairs shooting the shit a little while ago. And we were talking about how there were the kids at a local high school. And I, I don't want to call out the high school because it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. But the kids were doing like some sort of a dance ask, like a promposal or whatever. And they did the Nazi salute as part of this. And they got a, a lot of crap. And it was all over the news. And, and I brought this up, I think maybe on the radio. And I said, these kids don't know what Nazis were. They don't know. They've heard of Hitler. They've heard of Nazis. They don't know what the Holocaust was. They really have no idea. And so I asked Carson, who's 17, he's in high school, and some days he pays attention, but most days he's on his phone. And so I asked Carson, have you heard of Hitler? Yeah, duh. Have you heard of the Holocaust? Yeah, duh. Well, what was the Holocaust? Uh, uh. And he wasn't really quite sure. So I thought I would ask Alyssa, who is a teacher and actually teaches that, do kids in 2019 current time, do they learn about the Holocaust? Should these kids have known what they were doing? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, every school is a little bit different regarding how they cover the curriculum. But in my school district, I feel like we do spend a good deal of time talking about the Holocaust. Um, in my school, I know we spend at least a week, if not two, on World War II. But I know in my class, I teach a human geography course, and I focus a lot on genocide, which is, you know, the mass killing of a group of people. And we don't just, it's a very uplifting week, um, but we don't just, you know, spend time saying, oh, yep, this happened, memorize when it happened and the facts and figures. It is more about why. And we cover something called the 10 stages of genocide. And I use the Holocaust as a case study because a lot of kids, if they don't know everything about it, like Carson, they've at least heard about it. Mm -hmm. They know who a Nazi is and they know who someone who believes in Judaism is. And so they can kind of talk about that. And so I feel like when we go at that approach of why that happened, then it's going to be more meaningful. And so, but kids should know, um, they should be able to answer that question of what is it and why does it matter? Um, I know I was just looking on Twitter today that there's only a handful of Holocaust survivors left of people who, you know, were there. 70 years ago. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they were, yeah. yeah. And so there was, there's a conversation happening about, you know, are we doing those individuals justice? And so, um, I feel like if we have, see that kids aren't learning it and can't answer that question, then we need to go back to the drawing board. But I feel like my school district does a really nice job with it. Um, and I don't, teach a lot of it because I teach um, human geography, but I know the teachers at my school do a nice job. But it's it's a hard thing to teach. Um, and in teaching world history and U.S. history, you know, history keeps going. We have a lot to cover, but that is something that needs to be covered because unfortunately history repeats itself. I mean, as someone who teaches genocide, you know, genocides have been happening forever. And forever, unfortunately, yeah. yep. in the modern era, they continue to happen. I mean, Syria. Well, so, so I, I, yeah, right. Exactly. I'm a big history buff myself. And one of the reasons it's fascinating is because history does repeat itself. And kids will say, why do we got to learn that crap? That's boring. And it's like, no, because you will learn a lot. You can predict the future by studying the past past a lot of the time. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and so let's go back to those kids without, you know, putting them under the gun right. too much. Should they, can you excuse what they did with the Nazi salute? Can you say, well, you know what, to them, that's like the civil war. It's so long ago, they don't even comprehend it. Or would you say, you know what, those kids, they were more than just like innocently being stupid. I don't think we can excuse that. I feel like at at this point in this day and age, um, 
kids should know what's appropriate and not appropriate, especially for high school. Um, you know, not to say that it would be okay if it was middle school, but I'm sorry. But if you are a high school student, you know, this needs to be, you need to understand that, you know, by doing gestures like that, you are going to offend people. And yes, we live in, you know, an era we have the first amendment, but we need to be a more accepting of people around us. And like I said, in my, in my classroom, you know, we have to understand how when you start with gestures like that, that is a stage of genocide, is allowing that kind of behavior, using symbols to associate with a group of people. And then it leads to dehumanization, which leads to organization, which leads to polar, you know, it goes on and on and on. The 10 steps, yeah. Exactly. And so that is one thing that is part of it. And so if we don't stop it, then it can continue on. God, you guys are so smart. It's like I've been doing this podcast by myself for so long, and it's like nobody smart has joined me, so I just have to give all the answers myself. So we'll swing the microphone back. Thank you, Alyssa. I was, I was on the podcast before. And then... <laughs> That's right, because Nate is also an Apple expert. Go back to, like, I forget what podcast that was. It was, was one of the early ones a, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, so back to the millennial thing. I gave mm-hmm. Nate a chance to look at uh, this article and, and to bring up what some of the things are. And this is great for millennials to know whether you're justified and that other millennials are asking for the same thing. And if you're a boomer and you got some millennials that work with you or work for you, then here are some of the things that you might be surprised to find out that they want. Yeah, well, so they, he summarizes kind of the things that uh, you know might help a company with uh, millennials and hiring. Um, and the one that really sticks out to me is uh, the fourth bullet point says, hire for potential and ability to learn. <clears throat> Excuse me. Instead of focusing narrowly on the skills and experience younger workers possess upon graduation, 60% in our, 67% in our survey said there is a disconnect between what they feel capable of and what employers believe they're qualified for. That really, I, I think that really speaks to the, you know, like I said, the whole, um, we don't teach the facts, we teach the concepts around it. I mean, obviously, a person isn't going to come into a position knowing everything. I mean, right. that's one thing that we <clears throat> preach at Apple. Um, you know, when someone gets hired at Apple, it's not because they um, know everything about computers. It's because they're personable. They work with people in retail. And you have to be very personable and patient mm-hmm. and understanding and kind. You can't really, you know, teach those skills. You can teach someone about a product and you can teach them, you know, what that product can do and you know how it can benefit them. Or I can teach the person troubleshooting or how to repair an iPhone screen. I can teach someone that. I can't teach someone how to take appointments with someone who is really upset that their phone just broke. Right. Yep. And try and, you know, make that person, you know, resolve the situation and become a promoter and say, wow, you know what? Apple really took care. You know, we can't, you can't teach those soft skills. And I think if you ask a lot of fortune 500 companies, that's what they really look for in, in new employees and in hires is those soft skills that, you know, that, um, like I said, that relatable, um, aspect that, you know, people just kind of over, overlook. Um, I also thought it was funny in that, uh, in that Facebook post that you did, someone commented about, you never see a millennial or very rarely berate a cashier. It's almost always <laughs> someone older. And, yeah. and and there's probably a bazillion reasons why. Is that kind of true in your experience? Absolutely. Really? I mean, interesting. With, again, without getting specific, yeah. I mean, it's just it, there's a different mindset a lot of the time. Um, and, I, and I don't know why it is necessarily, but I think a lot of times a lot of millennials have had to have those jobs. They've had to have the retail job. They've had to be a server. I mean, you know, Jenny, she, she served how, for how long? Mm-hmm. She knows what it feels like to be on the other end of that, you know, in, uh, of that situation. And she would probably never... Never do it. She knows that it's not that 
person's fault that something is going wrong. There's something else behind it. Um, a lot of what we see at the Genius Bar is people who are more than likely mad at themselves because they broke something, but they don't want to come to terms with that. Or they, it's easier to blame some nameless, you know, corporation that I'm just, you know, being the Damn face Apple. Of. Yeah, right. it, it's like I get that. I get that it's frustrated, but it's it's way I've, in my experience, it's it's a lot more common to see that from someone who's maybe from the baby boomer generation than it is generation uh, X or Z or millennial who you know ever um, it's just it's it's a different mindset I think that millennials kind of appreciate the the people who are you know they're taking their order and who are helping them do that um, and same thing with corporations I think we we value the people who um, are on the kind of the front lines and who are doing that um, and we like to be um, you know developed and we like to make sure that you know a corporation isn't just some person giving us a paycheck we want to feel like we're contributing to something we want to like feel like we're um, you know pushing a mission forward you know it's not just going and showing up clocking in clocking out so interesting um, uh, we're going to wrap things up here in a second. Is there anything personal that you guys wanted to bring? I've asked you guys a lot of questions about millennials or that you, uh, is there anything that we missed? I mean, we could talk about millennials and, and back and forth for a long time, but is there anything that stands out, Alyssa, that you wanted to point out? Um, I think the main thing for, for me that stands out is that with millennials, especially with a lot of friends that we have, and even for myself, is that there is a difference in you know, we're not going to get one job necessarily and stay there for our entire career. Like idiots that keep a job for 25 years or something like that. And and there is something about trying to find, if it was no, because you you have have switched. I've moved around a lot. And frankly, the the job itself has changed. We were just talking about that. Yeah, yeah. That your job is not the same as it was 25 years ago. not at all, no. But I think that that is something that, People are constantly kind of trying to, you know, find value and worth in their job. And, you know, I'm planning on being a teacher for my entire working career, but trying to constantly find ways of staying relevant and staying, you know, up, you know, being developed and trying to try and do that. And I hope that that's something that all millennials feel. And I feel like I do see that a lot. You know, what's interesting is that, you know, what do you, we want to change. We like to think that we're still, you know, relevant and hip mm-hmm. and that type of thing. And I, not that I think that I'm super hip or relevant, or but I will find, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something that I shouldn't probably tell you, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you anyway. Somebody in our company thought it would be a really great idea to have a Ron Burgundy podcast. Now to me, that's the, that sounds like a 49-year-old white guy going, you know what would be really cool is having Ron Burgundy do a podcast. I think it's a bad idea. I think Ron Burgundy doing a podcast belongs in 2003 or belongs mm-hmm. in 2005. So back when this guy was 30 years old or 35 years old and he thought Anchorman was the funniest shit ever, okay, then it's been 15 years, 10 years since Anchorman was big, but somebody who I'm going to guess is a 49-year-old white guy, and I'll probably get in trouble for calling this out, but I really believe that it's a weak idea, but our company is really pushing for it, and I think that is kind of what happens when somebody who has not tried to think currently Mm -hmm. makes decisions for a younger audience. I know Fallon and Steve couldn't care less about a Ron Burgundy podcast. So who are we going after there? I think it was done as a vanity project for probably some 49-year-old white guy that thought that'd be a cool idea. So kind of to your point about changing and staying relevant and that type of thing. Exactly. I think that's, um, whether it's a millennial mindset or just kind of this day and age, I hope that that's something 
that is a quality that sticks around. And it's something that I know I try to instill in my students who are not millennials. Was it generation? What are they anyway? What are 17 generation year olds now? Z, generation double A? I don't know what it is. Generation double A. <laughs> I don't know. Are we in trouble with that generation? Are they a good generation? I think it's good for the most part. The one thing that I know we talk a lot about, a lot, talk a lot about with teachers is are we not instilling in them the drive because with technology today we we're just talking like kids can email really easy which is good that they've advocate for themselves but we want to make sure they're developing their own problem solving skills you know we like to see kids that are trying to figure stuff out on their own not having mom and dad always contacting for them and that's the one thing i do get nervous about is are we kind of pushing kids to go out on a limb, to challenge themselves, just because, you know, it is easy to go do the easy route and Google something mm-hmm. for, for an assignment versus let me actually try to think through this myself and not see who someone else, what someone else has said. So that's my one fear with this next generation is it's easy to find information. It's really easy to kind of skim the surface, know a lot, know a little bit about a lot of topics, but can we encourage kids to find an interest and then dive deep? Okay, Nathan, final word on millennials, anything that we left out? Yeah, so I think um, you kind of hit it on the head, uh, Alyssa, about you know making sure that um, we're giving kids that problem-solving uh, uh, kind of view and saying, you know, what, you have this wealth of information. You have access to things that people before never had access to, um, and you got to use that. You can't just use it for your own uh, social media. You know what I mean? you got to really do something with it right you've been given this wonderful tool in technology or information or whatever you want to call it and so you actually got to use it and i think one of the things that we forget is um we need to make it okay for kids to fail i think and and maybe not even call it failing but just call it learning right because that's all learning is is failing Mm -hmm. trying something having it not work figuring out why it went wrong and then doing it again. Cause I think a lot of times people put such high expectations on high schoolers. I mean, you have kids that are like, if I don't get a 4.0 in high school, I'm not getting into my college. I'm not going to get my major. I'm not going to get to grad school. I'm not going to get that job. And it's like, why are you worried about that? I mean, really you are, you're still a teenager and we, we need to be okay as a society and as a older generation needs to be okay with kids that, yeah, do screw up. So the kids that, you know, did do the, the promposal with the Nazi salute, what did they learn from it? Yeah, we can come down on them. That's not going to ruin their life forever, but we need to figure out, okay, why did you do it? What can we do to change it? And then what caused that? I mean, what led up to that? And and I think making it okay to fail, not excusing the behavior, because obviously, like Alyssa said, you know, that's not acceptable for a high schooler, but we need to figure out, you know, what is, what's acceptable and then teach them, all right, this is not acceptable, but why is it not acceptable? Instead of just saying, nope, you can't do that. Well, why? I mean, let's talk about it. Let's, instead of just condemning them, let's figure out what, you know, what caused them to do it and, and then try and learn from that and, and make sure that we're okay with them failing when they're in high school. Cause when they get out of high school and they go to college and they get in the workforce, if they fail, then I mean, their, their life might that'll actually be, a, be yeah, they'll, affected first fail, first experience of failure right right exactly okay hey guys thanks a lot we went a little bit longer but we had so much to cover <laughs> yeah. um, I'm gonna throw this out there as a last little bit of advice because the book is all the podcast is all based on the book uh, take a shower show up on time and don't steal anything which are life lessons that either I've learned through experience or I've heard somewhere so I'm gonna throw this one out there you being both teachers see if you agree with this one I've told Carson this one and he won't listen but I think it's always a good idea to sit 
in the if you have a choice to sit in the front of the class because if you do sit in the front of the class there are fewer layers of distractions between me right. and Mrs. Larson right. there are I'm right there she all Mrs. Larson also can't see me it is easier to see me when I'm not paying attention mm-hmm. or when I'm playing on my phone mm-hmm. so is it good advice to tell your kid sit up in the front they never will right. I mean but it's it's in theory it's a good yeah. idea to sit up front well and I yeah I think you hit it on the head there's any number more distractions now than there was, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's distractions in your pocket. There's distractions on your wrist. There's distractions in your ear. I mean, how many more distractions can you get before you're like, well, what am I even doing here? You know I mean? Uh, So to sit in the front, I mean, you're already way ahead of the curve in in terms of being able to to engage with that student and be able to check in with them and make sure that they're, um, you know, engaged in learning um, actively. So yeah, I think that's that's a huge piece of advice that any student should take and any parent should offer their student. So I'll put that in book two. The, the, what my next version of take a shower, show up on time, and don't steal anything, sit up front. And I would take it a step further. And if you can get kids to think not just, okay, sitting up front, but also if there are other distractions of the kids around them, to inform the teacher about that. Not you're not not you know tattling on them, but if you have a kid next to you that for some reason is distracting you, that it's okay to say, hey, Mrs. Larson, is there any way that I could move just, you know, I really would, I am having trouble staying, you know, focused. I love that because the thing that teachers love more, we don't need apples. We don't need gifts is we love kids that are excited about learning and want to figure out how to be more focused. So advocate for yourself with that. Very interesting guys. Thanks a lot for being on. We appreciate it. Remember shovel an old person's driveway because of the snow. Uh, thanks for listening to the podcast and uh, check out the Facebook page. Take a shower, show up on time, and don't steal anything. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening.